is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon, join my co-host Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, we have the West Ham match review for everybody after this past Sunday's result. Um, we were talking before the pod, Nick. Uh, as we always like to strategize about what we're about to get into, and even though there's a win on the books, there's not a lot in it. <laughs> nope. No, more more around it than in it, for sure. So, obviously, glad to have gotten the win. Glad we got it over the line. It feels like a big win, but yeah, the match itself did not offer a whole lot of uh, intense drama. Let's say that. Just, all right, nothing from Dan. So, we'll go ahead and just uh, rip off the fact that we're going to be jumping into the Chelsea had to grind out a crucial result. Um, everyone besides United around us trying to win. Uh, defensive woes need to be managed. And then obviously Tuchel making it official. Antonio Rudiger is leaving. So we'll see how that and the fight for the top four uh, pan out in our last section. So before we get in there, Dan, uh, temp check from the loving family, our community out there, the three word match review. Well, no surprise, Pulisic and J5 both featured quite heavily in the three-word match reviews. Uh, negative ones when you win, I, I kind of put those, you know, back on the back part of the shelf. So th- those aren't here. But anyway, Dale is blue with America, fuck yeah. Fernax91 with Rock Flag Eagle. Dan Hill and his friend Wildberry CFC with Playoff Pulisic. Maybe a little bit of an ode to some playoff sports in the U.S. right now. And our buddy Shane with Story Mode Beaten. And Gabriel with the Hamsters Hemorrhaging Hopes or Bye Bye Europa. Because um, I guess we want to call the Hammers Hamsters. Never have heard rip, that. Rip, but rip okay. the running wheel right from under them. <laughs> All right, we'll do it, you know. More positive than some of the other ones. Uh, Derek with the results over performance. It could be an underline for this. And then team on the drugs with nearly paid penalty to round it out. All right. Yeah, I put Pulisic saves J5 on that one. So uh, pretty pretty evident that uh, <laughs> it all could have gone to absolute shit uh, if it weren't for uh, actually a really good ball by Alonso to somehow pick out Pulisic. Perfect timing in the box. So, anyways, uh, saved a lot of egg on his face. Did you see J5 kind of as they were celebrating? He was, like, pretty slow getting back to half line. <laughs> Camera panned right in on him. Uh, Dan, what about you? Hershey's Mr. Goodbar. Hmm. I like that. Underrated candy bar as well. Oh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> uh, Nick, over to you. Dealing Hammer Blows. Uh, Pulisic and potentially one Declan Rice coming home. So... Yeah, he was getting a lot of love from the fans. I think um, as he's warming. Yeah, well, Tommy's you know. uh, we, we, we will talk about those photos because the photos are hilarious. It's only it's only fair after what we have to put up with for Reese and, and everything else. So, anyways, uh, huge shout outs to Alina, Joshua, Neilan, and Sartak for joining us on Patreon. We've got Jillian H from the U.S. on Apple Podcasts, which is just an easy free way to help us. Uh, be found in in the search tables and everything like that then obviously spotify 4.9 out of 927 reviews road to a thousand uh and we are well on our way again that just launched what this last fall i mean this is very like december very new yeah okay yeah. so we're, we're doing well new. All right, well, let's jump into the match details now. It was West Ham this past Sunday, the 24th of April, 
in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge, which hasn't really been a great place for Chelsea. But the scoreline is Chelsea 1, West Ham 0. Goals coming from Pulisic in the 90th minute. So we're going to kick it over to the fifth stand. The official Chelsea FC app. Uh, all the breaking, all the highlights, all the news there first. Uh, so thank you for letting us use the content. And we'll be right back. Well done from Loftus Cheek out to Havertz. Kante's got some space. Here he is. So is Mount Square. Kante driving for now and having a go. Oh, and the deflection made it really awkward for Fabianski, who readjusted well. The run from Timo takes defenders away, allowing the shot option to come up. It takes a deflection off Johnson. Well played, keeper. Caliber. Have a shot. We know he can hit them from here. Oh, it's almost a carbon copy of opening day. He's gone for the left-hand post as the goalkeeper defends as opposed to the right. Still a nice strike, still on target. So has to be saved. His mount, he's begging Loftus-Cheek to yes, go outside is. of him. He is, he's right. His mount on the volley, on his loose. Timo Werner, can he put it in? Oh, side netting. Just lost the angle as the chance got away from him. It's about the best that Chelsea have had all day. and West Ham are down to 10 and Chelsea have got the opportunity to win the game oh it's a terrible penalty an absolutely dreadful penalty from Jorginho and the opportunity is wasted he didn't get the power he kicked it straight to the goalkeeper goal now would be so crucial here's Mount Alonso sweeps it in and Chelsea finally finally make the breakthrough all right Dan lineup time I see you've uh, set this up a little bit differently so I'm interested to see how you navigate it well, it was Edmar Mendy between the sticks. Tiago Silva, Trev Chalaba, and Cesar Espelicueta as a back three with Marcus Alonso. Ruben Loftus-Cheek on the wings with Jorginho and Conte as your midfield duo. Forwards included Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, and Mesa Mount sitting just a little behind the two. You had Christian Pulisic, Hakim Ziyech, and Lukaku off the bench in a very rare triple sub. You had Ross Barkley, Saul Kennedy, Keparitha Balaga, and Saar as unused subs. And crazy Nick, the craziest one of all. Huge scratch from Thomas Tuchel, the groundskeeper. Cut him off the list. Brand new groundskeeper on the 11 today. <sighs> made all the difference. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It went from Steve to Jerry and it made a ton of difference. Uh, so just massive, massive shout outs to Steve um, or Jerry, whichever. Who knows? You uh, lost your own plot. <laughs> yeah. I, I just feel like they're generic enough names to, to pull it off. So. Uh, a lot can be done in a week, as we saw. No mention of the um, longtime terrible pitch at Stamford Bridge. Uh, and that's because Chelsea had 66% possession, right? We had 26 shots, albeit only five on target, which is not good enough. To West Ham, six, and they had two on target. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, look, the touches, the passes skew heavily in Chelsea's favor. We had 11 tackles to their 14. We had seven clearances to their 25, as you'd expect. We had three corners of their one and a couple offsides apiece. And what that all means is that XG tells us we're at 2.52 to West Ham's 0.51. So obviously not 
much coming out of their camp, Nick, as far as uh, heavily rotated, focusing on Europe. They have Frankfurt and the Europa League semifinals. And um, we made it a hell of a lot more difficult on ourselves than it had to be. Yeah, I mean, West Ham offered nothing to this game. It is the Might be an it. overstatement. Uh, I mean, I don't think they really offered anything, frankly. I think they just were trying to get out with a draw and move on, uh, as you rightfully said, to their uh, big Europa League match. Um, they didn't play a lot of their starters. Uh, you know, I think Suchek was, was one of the only starters in there. Craig Dawson's playing a ton of minutes this year at 38 years old uh, because... Oh, don't worry, he's going to have a little bit of a break coming up here. Yep, yep, because of reasons uh, due to injury. Um, but... I mean, yeah, they, they Declan Rice doesn't start this game. Mikel Antonio doesn't start this game. Like Jared Bowen doesn't. You know, the the main uh, antagonists to our protagonists were not featured uh, very heavily in this one. So, yeah, the fact that Chelsea didn't do more with that is more of an indictment of our performance than of anything else. And you are glad you get the win, but I mean, <laughs> to have as many shots as we did. And to not really trouble um, Fabianski until the last like fifteen or twenty minutes of this match is is not not brilliant. Uh, so obviously Andreas Christensen was initially in the starting lineup, ended up getting yanked uh, for fitness issues. Uh, Nick, do you think it was a big uh, or a tough decision for Tuchel whether or not he put in Saar at left back and left Aspi at right center back? I'm sorry, left center back. Or if he obviously ended up going with Chalaba as right center back and putting Asby on his a uh, little bit more awkward left side. I do not think it was a tough decision to put in Chalaba today. And in fact, uh, we kept a clean sheet, which we haven't done in some time. So um, how about we do that again soon? Let's run it back. Just yep. saying, he hasn't had a lot of love in, in that sense. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Chalaba not being around, so um, we'll have to see. Uh, Squawk with the one random stat. Uh, Chelsea had 26 shots against West Ham, the most they've had in a Premier League game this season. They made one count in the end. This is what I'm talking about, though. I mean, 26 is a shit ton of shots, right? Mm -hmm. But five on target of 26. Now, West Ham, as we were talking about in our WhatsApp group, blocked almost everything uh, that came in, right? So, yeah, I mean... Assume that even half of those blocks are in, then you're, you know, it's much more of like a 50% on target rate, which is, you know, I think much better than the five. But I mean, yeah, 26 shots. Great. Cool. You know, you should have that many when you have that much possession, that much more passing. But again, it was just it was kind of a lackadaisical like first half against Palace performance. And then I suppose we kind of turned it on for the last 20, 30 minutes. But yeah, not great. Fun fact, uh, not even Squawk has got this. The only outfield player that played any minutes today for Chelsea and didn't have a shot up was Loftus-Cheek. Wow, really? <laughs> all ten other, wow. or all nine other outfield players and all three substitutes all had at least one shot <laughs> today. Him and Mendy. Oh, I mean, look, man of the people. He just wanted to make sure everybody else had an opportunity today. Please. He scored a goal recently. He said, you know what, boys, boys, your turn. Yeah. A uh, bit funny to see that. Um, anyways, uh, NPET shithouse moment of the match? No. Uh, no. Joe tweets XB, uh, 0.5 <laughs> for expected boredom. 
now. And it was achieved because it was the entire first half. So it was really good. You know, uh, Joe and I were talking about this. Like, what what was his uh, expected body? Uh, it was all of us being bodied for the first 45 minutes. Yeah, I put J5 by Fabianski. Glad that didn't make it. Um, I think we also were getting very distracted because this is a uh, late first half is when the women's match was just popping off with all this drama and stuff. So I, uh, dude, I, I had it on. <laughs> I had the men's match on my TV. I had the women's match on my phone. Same. And I was like, bing, 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 bing. And the women's match was far more interesting and entertaining. So I ended up switching them to watch the men's match on my phone because it was just so boring. I yeah. just couldn't stand it. So. No, that that was the uh, correct move. I I was the same way, especially watching that. Couldn't have cared less what was going on in my TV. So anyways, uh, match review from that one coming tomorrow from Blues Realty. So make sure to check it out. But we're going to take our ad break when we get back. Uh, All about the upcoming pods we have this week. There may or may not be a big announcement regarding the ownership of Chelsea FC. Fingers crossed. And then we'll jump into grinding out crucial results. So thank you to sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well, it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and and fat. Now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more... Uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it, it it goes down quickly uh and like i said you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily uh, but hey don't listen to me athletic greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews it's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as tim Ferriss and michael gervais so right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills supplements to look out for your gut health to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Dan, on the flip side, we've got at least three more, probably four. Look, on the flippity flop, we've got you covered with podcasts this week. We've got two episodes from Blue Royalty, I not just one match against Spurs. <laughs> with a burning passion. Two, 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 two. That's right. We've got the dub from this weekend and hopefully a second dub that we'll pick up in the end of the week that we'll be covering. Maybe, maybe a pod from our friend Matt Law regarding Chelsea ownership, obviously continued delays in getting an announcement there and look Chelsea get to play United who have been a bit of a -a whack-a-mole team for us and have been in terrible form everywhere else you know that that is just a recipe for abject heartache for ourselves over the midweek but look look, you know we're gonna pods we're gonna smile through it and uh, we're gonna lock up top four this week it's gonna be great a a quick quick note to Tommy T Um, if you guys could beat this terrible Manchester United team that would just be a tremendous lift to everybody Thank you. 
Well, I mean, it's 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 an expectation at this point. I mean, the the it yeah. is far more uh, of a of a landmine than a, than a boost. I think in the top four race, it's a chasm that you see coming in the road. Ugh. Just just don't drive into it, please. Yeah, like to send him to the conference league. That's that's what we want to do, Tommy T. Come on, exactly. It's on you. All right, so grinding out crucial results wasn't pretty. Hell, it was ugly for the most part, but Chelsea walked away with all three points. Original plan didn't pan out, we think. Um, So, you know, because the the beginning of the match was obviously quite interesting. Again, we're seeing different looks to this team, Dan, that we haven't really seen this season. I think this is the first time that the Champions League winning triumvirate up top has really featured. Uh, If not, it was one of the few times they have. And then again, the fact that you've got Ruben at right wing back uh, uh, again the heroics from from Porto Jorginho and Conte in the middle uh, then just a goofy back line it's just constantly uh, being tinkered with by by Tuchel for all these different things and it's un- kind of understandable that it didn't work thank gosh West Ham were not interested in playing football today but if you also think about it the vast majority of this team was also the same lineup that started the Champions League final <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, to to be fair, other than Trev Chalaba, Alonzo, Loftus Cheek, that is your Champions League winnings team that went out and won one nothing again in Porto <laughs> and really struggled today against a West Ham team that you would very much frankly say uh didn't give two shits about this game. You know, I think for them, they have put all the money. They have gone all in on winning Europa to get a Champions League spot next season. They're looking at the math and they're saying, we are not going to catch up to Arsenal. We are not going to catch up to Spurs. Our best shot is to beat Frankfurt and then beat the next team in the finals to lock out a Champions League spot. Smart. It's smart. Like, based upon the math, based upon everything, if I was running it, if I was Moyes, I would say, you know what? This is the best opportunity we have because it's two matches to get to the next round. And then you go from there. Like I, I mean, I can't fault them in any regard, Nick, for how they approach this game. We just look like we maybe didn't expect them to not care as much. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I think, you know, we're going through our own shit, too. You know, obviously, the Wednesday calamity against Arsenal. You know, the disappointment of not advancing in the Champions League. The continued and varied injury record this season that has really thrown our entire season into chaos. The ownership situation still looming over this team. Like there are a thousand reasons why we're not playing very well right now, but I, I think the, the, the takeaway that I have of this match is that I think, you know, it's Dan and I have said this already, West Ham's goal was to expend as little energy as possible to get a draw today. And I think they were one minute or two minutes away from doing that. Um, Our efficiency in front of goal has meant the difference between us being in the title race and us not being in the title race. That's it. Um, Our efficiency in front of goal is, is shocking for a team with as much offensive talent as we have. Um, obviously the missed penalty was nearly a, like, I could have seen that been uh, being like a really negative storyline through the end of the year. You take a a winnable game, kind of shades of leads, uh, back in December 
win it at the death with the penalty and, and nail it to the wall. But luckily, we got bailed out. And I, you know, I'm happy for that. I hope this is another one of those moments in a season of ebbs and flows where we get a few more ebbs towards the end of the year because we were able to pull this one off and an extra time and the vibes go up to be good again. But if we go up to United and shit the bed, it's not going to be worth a damn. So I, you know, you just hope that you can string together better defensive performances than we have uh, of late and, uh, and are able to convert a few more chances, Brandon, because there's just too much talent in this team for us to be 12 or 13 or 14 points off city. And that's really how I feel about it. A lot of individual mistakes. We had two today from each of our, uh, right and left center backs that almost led to some chances. Obviously, Trevor getting back with his own pace. Um, you know, Aspi not able to get back as quickly. But the the fact of the matter was that, again, we kind of just... Moments that players lapse. They lose concentration, lose focus, whatever it may be. Um, other than that, I thought the team played pretty well. Uh, the fact that West Ham sat really deep and literally were not interested in playing. Uh, ben Rama is your lone striker. I mean, what the hell is he going to do against the three, you know, two giants in the back line? Uh, any anytime the ball gets lofted up to him, uh, and we saw that he didn't have anything unless we literally passed it at our own goal for them. Um, so then the the only thing that kind of falls short for us is like, okay. Our attackers are doing a good job of getting to the end line, trying to square balls across. Um, and there ended up always being a pocket of space at the top of the box. But we had the least capable shooters <laughs> in our team in midfield today. And Gola Conte with three, four, five efforts. Uh, and he just was uncomfortable to pull the trigger. He was always taking one extra touch. Um, and it's just one of those days where you're like, ah, yeah. That's still a need in this team, a midfielder that can score goals. Well, Conte took the shot and it took the balance and just bounced right into Fabianski's hands. On another day, it goes in and we're celebrating Conte scoring a goal. Same with Werner. Werner had one where he caught it really well. It just happened to go like Fabianski was right there. He had good positioning today. He was a nuisance and made he it difficult. He always plays well against us. He oh, always yeah. does. So, Fa- Fabianski had a good game. You had basically uh, everyone was, you know, camping out in the box to throw Chelsea a surprise party for the attackers. Uh, surprise, we're here. You're not going to score. And it just made it really difficult. Nick. And I think that's the that's when I think the subs, you know, maybe to kind of the next point here, they worked really, really well. Like that finally created the right level of space to start to force a little bit more separation and actually create some opportunity to try shit for that final 15, 17 minutes. Uh, I mean, I, I just want to say this. I, I think the, the latest Tinkerman three part series, by the by uh, Joe and Yaz did three parts to mock my, uh, are you going to do one part or two parts thing? They were like, no, fuck you, Nick. We're going to do three parts. You idiot. Uh, so that was released the last three days. So if you're listening to this on the Monday, you have three weekend pods, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to go just catch up on. But they made the point in that pod in the, you know, as it relates to the midfield, which is a big point of the tactical discussion. We need a, a midfielder who's willing to rip goals. We just need it. It's something that's lacking in the team. It's clearly not our current personnel. Even Kovacic, who I think is, um, you know, a little bit more goal friendly this year is not, is not the kind of threat we need. So just something to note there, but 
yeah, I mean, to, to see Tuchel make a triumvirate of subs is really interesting. Um, and subs that, like, really haven't, you know, I don't think are in favor right now for the most part. And I, I don't know why either. You know, I, I tweeted pretty early in this match that Ziyech and Pulisic could be dangerous options for this one just because they West Ham was sitting so deep that you need people moving like Timo Werner had no space to run in behind today. They just sat back. Right. So there was nothing really for him to, he to was do like on he the sideline. Have... I mean, he was way out on the flank yeah. the whole match, nowhere close to goal. No, he was, he was looking for space. There just wasn't any. And like the problem with Timo Werner and the way that he plays is because he doesn't have a great touch and he doesn't have great um, take on ability. He really needs to be in space and run at defenders to have an impact. Whereas, Ziyech and Pulisic in particular can take on opponents, although, you know, I would say with lesser degrees this year than they have in the past uh, and create their own space. So it was really nice to see that come in. I think that, you know, quietly Lukaku had a really good 15 minutes too. And I I was really pleased that they came in. I wish they would have come in around the 60th minute. I think there's a reason that Mason was the one out of that attacking three that didn't get pulled. He was up for it the entire game. But, you know, he's out there. Like, if you guys ever have it where, like, you went to college and your best friend, like, went to the rival school or whatever. Like, he was out there to make sure that, like, Declan couldn't say shit to him after the match. Like, he was (laughs) going to make sure that that happened. Um, And he was very active. Uh, He was always looking for goal. I mean, actually crazy that he didn't get one himself. Um, So I thought he was really good in attack today, too. By the way, Kai, just the way he moves is is just he like floats. He's just effortless the way he runs and things like that. It's again, it was just impressive to see on the day. So, yeah. So you get to the subs. Lukaku's 15 minutes of of uh, positivity. I mean, I think it really just came down to effort. He chased everything down. He was biting people. He was trying to get involved. And I think that um, that just goes a long ways. And it's just that's the one thing we haven't seen a lot of him that we've really been frustrated with. He did seem sharp. He did seem engaged. Sometimes when he's out there, he just kind of lets the play float around him. So I don't know what it takes for him to, to care on on weeks and things like that. But we got a glimpse of, again, what we thought we were getting after Chelsea wrote a check for $97 million and been paying him at least 230, 40, 50 pounds a week, 1,000 pounds a week. And again, it's all for a 15-minute cameo against West Ham. So, bit frustrating that. I mean, he, he did have a, a pretty good match. Though. I mean, I think Pulisic, obviously, is the one we need to talk about here, though. Like, well, let's do it. Um, Statman Dave broke it down, just so we can add a little color to this one. Uh, Christian Pulisic's game by numbers versus West Ham. 14 minutes played. That's it. Not a lot. He had 100% shot accuracy, 89% pass accuracy, 11 total touches, one chance created, one ball recovery, one shot, one goal. Made the difference in a short space of time on the pitch. So, Nick, Christian Pulisic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to judge 14 minutes, to be honest. I mean, it, you, you judge the result because he got us the win and moved us that much closer to top four being secured, which is, you know, really great. Uh, I thought he looked lively, but then again, he's playing against a mostly tired West Ham team at that point. So, you know, to be fair to him and his performance, I thought he came in and moved around really well. He actually, one thing he did different uh, this match than I've seen in previous matches, Dan, is that there was a a noticeable difference that he had a free role. Uh, he started on the right. He moved over to the left. 
He then came centrally and then made that late run for the goal. And that was different than we have seen him in the past where he's just been kind of more isolated on the left. Yeah, I saw a couple of bits of criticism around him not being involved when he started on the pitch. And I think the challenge is, is when Christian has the ball and is forced to do things, that's usually when the dispossessions come in, you know, they were swarming anyone who had the ball. So it was going to be difficult for him in that moment. The better thing for him to do was try to find the open space and run onto something. Same for Lukaku, uh, same for Werner in, in this game. Like you don't necessarily want any of those attackers to run with the ball at their feet for extended periods. You want Christian to run onto the ball in motion and to slot it home, which is exactly what he did for the goal. And so I think that's where... He did what was necessary in this game by not being the person to have the rock. Like, he's not a point guard. Like, you do not want him distributing the ball around. Like, you want him to get the alley-oop and just send it home. And, like, that is 100%, Brandon, what you're looking for. And he gave us you know, exactly what was needed in that moment. Look, you watch one playoff game of the Celtics and now you're just a basketball fan. Yeah, there he is. I mean, how many, how many references was that in one sentence? <laughs> it's... It's really more of a slam dunk. Plus, he was in the paint, right? You know, look, he was there. You know, he dishes the rock. I tell you what. Well, this is all just a tribute to to our boy Yaz as well, who's uh, who oh, yeah. joined the Nets series too. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely a uh, a part of the problem. You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you know, a great run by Christian again. He found that space that Angolo had been finding. Uh, accidentally all match uh, great ball by Lonzo it just it's funny like just missed three defenders right one toe poke and it and it changes and he finished with his left foot right his he's not great with his weak foot but it was a great finish with uh, that left low on the ground he's, kept it going to the far post he, he scored more goals with his left for Chelsea than his right funny how that works uh what about the flashpoint quotes apparently Tuchel long story short benched him because of his U.S. duties in March yeah this was an odd press conference obviously Tuchel I think was ready to spill some tea in this one and uh, not only we'll touch on the Rudiger stuff at the end of the show but uh when someone asked him why Christian Pulisic hasn't played it was like some combination of confidence and then all the miles that he traveled for international break international break was like a month ago and so I don't know, man, it just it reads very weird. Um, and I'm not saying that, like, he deserved to play. Timo Werner's played relatively well over the last couple of weeks. But that it's not as if he was hurt coming back. It's not as if because he played against Real Madrid in the first leg. Right. So your logic pattern is a little weird there. Um, and I would like I would offer the same question about Ziyech, who I think looked equally dynamic when he came out of the field today, but hasn't played much recently either. And, you know, Timo, Kai, and Mason look tired today. Like, they look tired. And it's not because they, they lacked effort or anything like that. It just, they looked out of ideas, like mentally. So my hope is that they can mix it up midweek against United, maybe try a new combination, because you can't keep running those guys in the ground for the last eight or nine matches in this short amount of time. It just doesn't really work. That's when the injuries happen, too, and we've done a lot with that this year. So. Well, if you can press United, they're going to cough it up. So uh, let's take some Harry cues. Maguire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Eric, by commenting on Instagram, posting him and Varane should be playing together. Like, unbelievable. <laughs> like, not liking, commenting. 
uh, just, on that. Just when you think Chelsea <laughs> is just so crazy all the time, you look at that dumpster fire in Manchester and you're like, thank fucking God. Their their just, PR strategy was hire a manager because things are so bad. Let's not wait until the end of the season. Like, how much more did that cost them as well? Yeah. Uh, hilariously terrible. Uh, Dan, defensive woes. We weren't really tested, but there are major tests still left to pass. And Christensen scratched for Trev. Injury, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he probably Bubble guts. <laughs> I assume he found a divot and rolled his ankle. Uh, Reese James was kept out precautionary Steve. for the old hamstring. Uh, and Rudiger... Well, he needed a personal day after that decision, so left him out. A groin, groin injury, as yeah. the Tuchel talked about in the uh, end of the week press conference that he had before the match. Yeah, I think this is something that, so to be fair, we kept a clean sheet, but it was only with six, six total shots and two on target. So not the busiest day at the office for any one of those back three, back four individuals, uh, if you add Edwabendi as well into that grouping. This is going to be a challenge for the remainder of the season when you look at the depth in this area. You have Marcus Alonso, who struggles with back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back opportunities, and he is going to get, I would imagine, the majority of the minutes on the left wing-back role for the extended future. I don't know how much you'll see of Christensen if he's having injury crisis at the moment before he's about to sign a contract and go off to Barcelona. You have Rudiger, who you hope would want to get one last trophy here and get one last honor to cap out his Chelsea career, which is ending, I would say, in general, on, on a very, very big high in terms of the contribution he has, the the value he has, the way that fans feel about him leaving. And we'll get into more on just the whole Rudiger situation in a little bit. I just think with Silva, with Chalaba, you probably play the major- them majority until the end of the season, but you might need to bring someone up from the academy, Nick. I just, I'm really concerned about keeping players fresh and healthy for the remainder of the season. And when you think about how many matches we have left and, oh, by the way, you also have a critical cup final against one of the two best teams in England at the moment. Uh, and it's not us. It is uh, Liverpool. That is going to be something where Tuchel is going to need the best available. And there's just too many minutes to not have some type of rotation. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the Malang Sar train, but we're going to bench that for a little while this year. I think metaphorically, if, if anything, or <laughs> I think if, if anything, you might, you might play him in a four against United or something like that, you know, just to like, you have to give Alonzo rest, right? Asby's just coming back from COVID. And and I think performing admirably, given the fact that he is not a spring chicken anymore, just had his contract auto renewed, but like just like a subscription. I'm not sure if he wanted that. You know, we'll see. And then uh, knowing that we have Rudiger with a groin, and certainly not wanting to get hurt even more before he goes to Real Madrid, and you know a bunch of other stuff. Right? I mean. Reese James, obviously not healthy. Otherwise, he would just be starting every match and playing. He's he's just not there. Um, and you can't, for the love of God, you can't risk him with another long-term injury, right? I mean, he is so crucial to everything that we will do next year that you have to just be cautious with that. So, 
yeah, we might we might see a back four again at some point with with Saar playing left wing back. I think this really does call back to the fact that if we would have had Emerson available uh, and back with the team in January, this this season probably looks a lot different. Um, and I never thought I'd say that at the end of last season, but I mean that that's really the depth that that you're working with. I mean, the fact that w- we might finish top three with Malang Sar having played as many minutes this year as he has, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek playing an admirable wingback, <laughs> which, I mean, who would have thought of these combinations? I mean, it's fucking nuts. So I, I'm, I'm also very worried, like Dan is, but I'm also heartened by the Trev Chalba performance. I think on the right, you're starting to see him advance the ball up the field again. Uh, people don't realize how good he was in the Carabao Cup final. Uh, he got kicked uh, pretty hard by um, by Naby Keita and uh, uh, obviously a red card offense, but Liverpool don't get those for reasons. Huh. Um, and, and Nick, as we saw, 46 Premier League matches in a row. 46 Premier League matches in a row for Liverpool without conceding a penalty. Manchester City is in the 20s. Yeah. And they're all fathomable. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a fucking joke, Dan. That's what it is. But uh, I I want to see Chalo back. I mean, he has a huge opportunity right now, right? I mean, think about where this summer's going. There was a chance Rudiger was going to resign. Chance as Pilicueta and Christensen were going to leave. Now that combination is all upended. Uh, Tiago Silva's still old, so we're going to have to figure that out because he can't play every single match either. Even though he's doing his damnedest to. Chalo really has an opportunity to step up and cement his place for next year right now, and I hope he does. Yeah, you. Uh, I went a little bit long. I was going to try to sneak in a, a True Bill <laughs> ad for Aspi uh, because he, he didn't stop his subscriptions renewing, to your point. <laughs> so I'm just going to force it in anyways. Uh, but we're hey, that's one we're now. happy about, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of the German, uh, we actually have quite a few Germans, but Rudiger. Uh, official Tuchel confirming it and then the club quickly scrambling to get a push notification out to the rest of the world that yes uh, no surprise but Rudiger has decided to leave um, it's a an interesting debate uh, Matt Law has talked about the fact that Chelsea offered him about 200 over 200,000 a week um, I don't remember how many years were on it but long story short he just felt like he wanted something different uh, then Naz jumped in and clarified and said, look, Rudiger's trying to have this huge nonprofit charitable thing going on in Sierra Leone. Like he wants as much money as he can because a lot of it is going to that, which again, admirable. At the end of the day, um, this is his last contract of note that he's going to get. And he's going to do what he has to do. I think that he's given Chelsea every opportunity to, uh, to play ball. And I think Chelsea have, in a calculated way, played ball. Because I think it was Liam Toomey, he even reminded everyone, like, it literally was, like, 14, 15, 16 months ago that Lampard wanted him out. Uh, And he wasn't playing well under Lampard. Tuchel comes in, boom, greatest thing ever. And to be fair, he has been damn good under Thomas Tuchel. Our biggest concern, I think, going into this, Dan, is what the hell do you do post-Rudiger? Do we trust the recruitment department, Scott McLaughlin, and all that team to replace him with a ready-made um, I guess replacement in that sense. And I just not a lot of 
confidence. And also, we can't sign anyone anyways. We couldn't even officially make him the offer because we don't have an owner. So uh, a lot of different things at play. But at the end of the day, Rudiger says no thanks to Marina and he's walking. Yeah, it's interesting. And I was looking through just to run the gamut of what the social consensus was. And it was everywhere from oh my gosh, I can't believe we let this happen, which is a fair criticism, right? If you knew this is what you wanted to do three months into the season, six months into the season, maybe you go harder. Maybe you try to make the signing happen, you know, the re-signing happen sooner, all the way to the, hey, you know what? If we weren't going to pay him or he doesn't want to take that amount from us or he's trying to secure his bag, let him go do that elsewhere. And I also would agree with that too. I think it's a very fair sentiment. Look, you got one career, you have one opportunity as a player to maximize your potential. And if you're going to get more going someplace else, whether that's in a signing fee, agent fee, your weekly wages, go do it because you deserve it on the back of giving us, you know, effectively 18 months of really exceptional play. Um, really leveled up his game uh, even more so than, you know, when he came and, you know, he's, he's played a substantial amount of football for us. Not always great. Not always in favor with every manager we've had, but under Tuchel, it was a revelation for him. And, you know, they both benefited, right? Tuchel benefited from Rudiger leveling up his game and being locked in for the time of period. And Rudiger benefited from working with Tuchel to do this because he's going to get the contract he's looking for and he's going to get the opportunity he wants. And so everyone should be happy at the end of the day. It sucks, but, you know, we'll move forward. We'll march on. We'll figure it out. And look, you got... Young guys in the academy like Levi Colwell and others that potentially are the next generation too. And I think what probably hurts the most, Nick, in anything, you have someone like Mark Gurhey who's at Crystal Palace, who sold and would now be a starter in this team. This season would have probably started given the injuries, uh, but would have definitely been a starter next season. Yeah. Um, I, look, I'm, I think I'm a little bit more pissed off about this because I think this was a an unnecessary gamble. And like you the the Tinkerman show did a great job of outlining just the calamity and contracts that are currently at, at Chelsea and the situations that have been allowed to persist over this last couple of years. Uh, now, I understand that this is a difficult thing to manage. So this is not like shots across the bow to Marina or anything, but, you knew coming into this year that your whole back line was basically out of contract. And I understand you, you can't afford to overpay by millions of pounds for these, for these players. Certainly the Rudiger one is interesting because he's had an ACL before he hasn't always been in favor, but he's been as reliable as reliable comes for the last 18 months. Right? So I, I, I just think they should have done a better job of planning overall for this situation than they have. And the Rudiger one hurts me particularly now because this was not a player that I was like over the moon for, you know, before Tuchel got here. But I think if you look back at the story of this season, he's been our most consistent player. He's been the most available of that whole back line by a ton of uh, minutes. And he's probably the biggest character in the squad. And without him, you shudder to think where we'd be this year. We'd probably be in that Arsenal, Manchester United, Spurs grouping instead of kind of a clear third. We certainly wouldn't have advanced in the Champions League as far as we did. 
uh, and and probably in either cup final. I mean, he's been that consequential. He's been that much of a character. He's brought uh, the shit house back to Chelsea, and that is something that certainly hope continues after he leaves. But losing that big of a character, Brandon, really hurts. Um, every team, every successful team has those characters, and it's a bummer that he's not going to be here anymore. I understand why he's leaving. It's a shit show here right now. <laughs> I can't blame him. But, uh, yeah, I just wish the situation wouldn't have been able, allowed to persist like it was. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the summation of Tuchel as well, you know. And and, and those were his quotes uh, to that point. You know, um, leaders and characters are hard to find. And if they are easy to find, they are expensive because of the importance of that. You think you're moving him out. Let's assume Aspie's there. Silva's there. Okay, you got some leadership. You know, if you lose like a Jorginho, okay, there goes leadership. We know he was in the locker room. Rudiger's out. Now you're back to that young core, and it's like we still need some experienced, you know, captain material players to really drive the team on. And that's something that Chelsea can have to take uh, into consideration. Um, but again, like, you know, none of that's going to happen anytime soon for, for obvious reasons. Um, but this also kind of plays right into the top four fight and the fact that uh, it was really crucial that we got points today, especially maximum points. I think once we saw West Ham's lineup and we kind of realized like, oh shit, they're definitely focusing on Europa League, like get all three points. Um, you would have hoped there's a little bit of blood in the water for Chelsea. Didn't really pan out that way, but getting all three points, massive, right? We are now over 99% uh, probability of getting top four um, we are at 70, they think we'll finish at 78 points, um, which is great because we're currently at 65. Um, fourth place is Arsenal who keep winning. They've gone from losing three in a row to winning two in a row. Uh, they are on 60 points, but really the battle isn't for third. It's fourth, fifth, maybe sixth, but probably not. <laughs> so Tottenham in fifth on 58 points and then United in sixth on 54 points, but they're at 34 matches more than anyone else ahead of them. So I guess, Nick, do you feel better about top four? I mean, with every win, you feel better, right? I mean, and I think the, the point I made coming into April was that this was going to be the, this is the winning time month, right? This is where you can either cement things or let them go crazy. And to be fair, we've had a bit of both. (laughs) I mean, it's been, been an up and down month, for sure, in terms of results, in terms of goals conceded and and all that stuff. But, you know, if you look at how this season ends out for us, and then we'll go through everyone else's fixture list mm-hmm. too. United rescheduled because of the FA Cup final. So that's moving up to Thursday. That's away, uh, which, you know, we'll be glad to have that in the rear view. But if you win that, all you have left is uh, what is a relegation-bound Everton after today. A Wolves team that shit the bet against Burnley. They could care less. They've stopped playing for weeks now. They were a defensive yeah. juggernaut. No. Yeah. No. Leeds, who uh, depends on the day. You just don't know what you're going to get. But I, you know, I think they still leave a ton of opportunity for Chelsea to get in behind. That's a prime team of earner game, that one. Uh, Leicester, who are as middling as middling gets and still in the Europa Conference, whatever, semifinals. And Watford, relegation. So, I don't know, Dan. I feel like of those matches, if you get past United 
And or, like if you take three points against United, you're you're really locked in. But I think the rest of it seems relatively straightforward. Yeah, I, I think it's three, maybe four is the, all the points you need. And this will be fine. Mainly because the other teams are going to do enough in their own right. And I think this is, this is the, the key point to me. So this is why I say this. Arsenal has to go against West Ham, who may or may not care for the, the match. Uh, they will have just played in the middle of the week and are plan, playing the weekend. So they might rest a few players. That's fine. Uh, they also have leads. They have to play Spurs still. So one of the two of Arsenal or Spurs will drop points in that match, whether that is they will drop three points or if they will drop two points. Um, so when we say like max of 75 for them, it could be max of 73. It could be max of 72 for them. They have to play Newcastle, who've looked really good. Credit Eddie Howe. They have looked really good. Credit and to not 90 even, million. <laughs> they did look, it, though. Some of the times you just have to get the results. Oh, uh, They're getting far too much credit. It. Like, I can't be bothered. Anyways, uh, you know, look, we, we should be doing better with our 90 million. Uh, they're mm. they're they're getting the result with their 90. Um, and then they've got Everton um, who will be so relegated by then. Potentially. Yeah. Uh, and then you have Spurs who have to go against Leicester, Liverpool, who, as we've seen today, uh, have no fucking chill. Um, Arsenal, Burnley, who seemingly now are undefeated since what is dead may never die <laughs> and has come back with a vengeance. I hate and then it. Norwich. Like they I, I just I can't foresee a scenario at this point where we don't finish top four with at least three, if not four points. I like how Dan has hilariously put United as a as an option down here. Um it, it's only if it's more if Spurs or Arsenal have some massive calamity like if if this Conte thing now knowing that he's probably going to go to PSG that he's going to make the swap with Pochettino maybe he's going to try to buy Lukaku off of us look all these crazy things that could happen again the what if of Chelsea universe right now um maybe United makes it up one more spot but then they get pushed down in terms of competition they qualify for anyway because West Ham win Europa League be amazing would truly be tremendous but yeah i mean it, again if you beat united on thursday you go into may you know with everton wolves leeds leicester watford what what you really want and you think about this there's the fact that in between the leeds and leicester game chelsea have an fa cup final you want to be secured between mm-hmm. now and wolves so that you can use leeds as a warm-up and you don't give a shit about leicester or watford like that is that is mission objective number one right now is lock it up so you can rest, rotate and be super fresh against the Liverpool side. That's going to have to commit in Champions League, going to have to commit like they can't take a game off right now. They're within one point of winning the league. Every game is crucial to them and we can potentially rest and rehabilitate a little bit and be a way fresher. And this could be the reverse of the Leicester Chelsea situation last year where Liverpool are overly focused on one competition or two competitions, and this is a secondary concern for them. You, you could hope. I mean, those are very, I think, reasonable dots to connect. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to see how it all you know, plays out. The fact that we're plus 10 on Spurs and plus 8 max points on Arsenal, again, just a lot of breathing room within that. And knowing the fixtures that we have, 
you know, you on paper feel good. Again, there's a lot that can happen between now uh, and the end of the season, but um, we're in a much better position than we were even last year. The fact that we're comfortably in third means we'd have to drop two places to miss out. Uh, and that's just a like a hard thing to imagine at this point. So uh, let's not curse ourselves or jinx ourselves with anything too silly uh, and just move right along to the Dan and the match, which uh, was a bit tight for you there, Dano. Well, it wasn't tight for me. Uh, Christian Pulisic wins with 39% of the vote. Marcus Alonso with 36% uh, gets his assist at the end of the day, which helped out. Mason Mount with 20%, and then other included people like Trev Chalaba, Thiago Silva, and others who people wanted uh, to be included in the poll as well. Gotcha. Well, we kind of ran through the uh, the table, but it is Man City in first, 80 points, 33 played. Liverpool second, 79 points, 33 played. Chelsea third, 65 points, 32 played, and then Arsenal, 60 points on 33 matches played. At the bottom, Norwich, going to do that yo-yo, up, down. Um, Not a great season for them. 21 points off of 33 matches. Not much better than them is Watford, 22 points off of 33 matches played. And Everton. And seven managers later, they got 22 points. And Everton, who recently had uh, Ancelotti uh, running their team, are in 18th on 29 points. And they're on 32 played. So again, them and Burnley are neck and neck. If they were to somehow win their match in hand... They go to 32, which actually puts them ahead of Burnley. But if you look at the form guide, Everton have won one of their last five matches, and Burnley have actually won three of their last five and are kind of undefeated since uh, Dyche left. So a bit interesting that because they're still in caretaker mode. They don't even have a new man at full-time manager. No, but the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that they actually have a worse goal difference. And so the worst thing that could happen is the very end day of the season, they end up level on points. And that's the reason they go down. Think Frank stays in the championship? Oh, no. No, I think if they go down, the, the whole thing gets blown up completely. Like, because you're, I, I don't, I don't think he, it, it's not his fault, by the way. Like, this, this is a disaster of an organization right now, but I don't think there's any chance those fans are going to want him to stay. Uh, no chance. Burnley's team playing with a hell of a, hell of a lot of motivation. Um, which I don't know why, because the owners are sitting there sweating their asses off. If they get relegated, the previous owners get to buy the club back for half the price that they paid. So uh, they have a they have a poison pill, you might say. <laughs> that's mm. very trendy right now. Um, all right, that's going to wrap us up. Look, we don't need to extend this one any, any longer. It is what it is. It was what it was. Uh, the business got done at the end of the day. Again, J5 uh, blushing as Pulisic saves his bacon um it's gonna be good we got more content coming at you this week again uh dan is doing a great job of working on getting additional content on patreon all right if you want instant match reactions from joe tweeds jesse uh content from phil and i on the academy it is all on patreon go check it out and there's also a lovely discord community there so until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high